Welcome back to everything you need to know about buying your first home from A to Z. Today, we're going to cover the letter B, as in bitchin', which is how you're going to feel after learning all the real estate terms and definitions to buy. Hey, that's a B word. And you can buy like a pro. Alphabet fun time. Let's go. Welcome back, my How to Buy a Homies. Today is alphabet fun time for buying your first home. So hello, boys and girls, and hello, non-binary people, and hello, transitioning or just confused people who need a little time to explore and figure out who your true self are. Well, hello to everyone. It's me, David Sedoni. We're going to jump in the alphabet, and we're going to go into the B definitions. B for buy your first home. This is going to be adding to your resource library to help you crush the confusion and become an educated and empowered first-time home buyer because you're good enough, you're smart enough, and you deserve the real real in real estate. All right, our first B today, balance sheet. Now, this is usually used in business terms to determine, you know, the true financial status of where business is. But hey, when you're buying a home, it's good to think of yourself as your own little company because the bank's going to be looking at you to see if you have the financial means to take on this ginormous debt. The good news is if you pay rent, you're already showing that you can do this. Yeah, the biggest misconception that renters have is their actual borrowing potential. Most people think that it's a huge leap to buy a home for hundreds of thousands of dollars because your largest asset that you pay for, well, at this time, what, might be a car? You know, maybe $500 payment on a $30,000 asset. So how the hell can you make a jump to a $400,000 home? Well, this is where you need to remember. Think of yourself as a business and remember this B word, the balance sheet. This financial statement shows the assets, the liabilities, and the net worth of a business, or in your case, a person, on a specific date. And remember, this key piece of information when you're thinking about your own balance sheet, as a renter, when you went to pay for a car and you went to go for a car, you were adding $500 a month, right? If that was your car payment, that's on top of the balance sheet that you already have. But if you're going to apply for a home loan, you might already have $2,000 a month on your balance sheet. So when you ask them for a $400,000 loan, if you put 5% down, your balance sheet shows that if you can afford the 5% down the closing costs, you already have a $2,000 payment on your balance sheet. You are simply replacing it. And if you did that at 5% interest on $400,000, do you know what you were replacing $2,000 with? $2,635. So don't think about the fact that I'm buying a $400,000 loan. Think about the fact that you need to show the bank, I can afford $635 more a month. That's it. That's the PITI, the mortgage principal, interest, plus your taxes and insurance. And it's only $635 more than the rent that you might be paying right now. You're not taking on a $400,000 brand new debt to your balance sheet. In the example I just gave, you're just adding $635 a month. Change your mindset. Yeah, even to those banking nerds who you think you're going to scrutinize you all up and down. Hey, man, you're way closer than you think. Okay, our next B is back end debt to income ratio. Now, there's a difference between back-end and front-end, and that has something to do with the way the lenders look at things. So I'm just going to tell you what debt this back-end debt-to-income ratio is. This is a fancy mortgage term that you're going to hear when the lenders are calculating your loan approval. 
Most of the time, they're trying to get your maximum loan approval. This is one of the main factors in calculating your credit worthiness. Yeah, that's a thing. Credit worthiness. In fact, did you know that credit worthiness is spelled as one word? It's a total thing. And this is the way that they calculate and reduce your entire life's work, your career, and everything about you into one lousy number. It's a percentage. So your back-end debt-to-income ratio, if it's 21%, you're golden. Bankers go crazy for you. If it's 35%, you're still in great shape. And even if it's size 42%, you're getting close to maxing out, but you can still get a home loan. Your debt-to-income ratio, what it does is it compares your monthly debt payments to your monthly income. You divide your monthly minimum debt payments, excluding your rent or your mortgage, by your monthly take-home pay. That is why gross numbers, and yes, this includes student loans, those big giant numbers that scare you, they're irrelevant. Gross numbers are gross. We don't care about them. Monthly minimum payments, that's what makes up your debt-to-income ratio. That's what creates your magic number. 21%, 35%, 42%. It's all based on your minimum monthly payments. And this number is the standard to decide how credit worthy you are. And that tells you how large a loan you can get. All right. Our next B word is backup offer. Now, this is a tricky one. It's not tricky because the definition is confusing, but because the concept seems like a great idea, but it can also be well, basically just kind of a big waste of time for you and your realtor, and you can get caught up trying to chase things that are already gone. A backup offer is submitting an offer on a home that already has a current offer under contract, and they will take backup offers in case that first offer falls apart. Wow, that was easy for me to say, but you understand what I'm saying. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't ask your realtor to submit a backup offer on a home if you truly love it and you missed out and it's already under contract. But I've seen too many first-timers get anxious or really upset at the process. And so they start to think that the best strategy is to you know, cover all the bases, throw everything out there. You can't just throw your hat in the ring for every single home that you want, even if they're under contract, and hope that you're going to get it. Wait a minute. That brings us to another edition of Why Do We Say That? Throw your hat in the ring. What does that mean? Well, it comes from boxing. How many of you knew that? Raise your hand. Are you on the treadmill raising your hand? You look silly. Put your hand down. If a person wanted to challenge another person in the next match, they would literally, used correctly, take their hat, throw it in the ring, and tell the ref they got next. How about that? Well, in real estate, throwing a hat in the ring for a backup offer, the better, better strategy is to get fully prepared with your unicorn realtor long before you're ready to start making offers. Understand the current market patterns of when homes go on the market and when the offers get in for what we call active homes. And then you need to learn how to position yourself to be able to present an offer on homes, the ones that you like, while they're still active. And that will help you avoid being a backup and hoping and praying for some other buyer to have great misfortune and you to sweep in. Now, in the current market with our multiple offer situation that's been going on 2021 and 2022, backups seem to happen a lot when your offer is not the chosen one. Now, that can be a great thing. Always have your realtor thank the listing agent for considering your offer, even though you're crawled up under your covers crying in your bed. Asked to be held as a backup. I can't tell you how many times, whether I was on the listing side, I went to the backup offer where the realtor or the lender 
or both of them had reached out to me and I had a good relationship and they were so excited that we came back to them. And my sellers were so excited because I didn't have to put the home on the market again, have an open house and have a million people traipse through. We just canceled one and went right to the other without even going back on the MLS. Now, legally and technically, there can only be one backup offer that is signed as a backup. So you can't be a backup on a backup. But you, your realtor and your lender, well, not you, but your realtor and your lender, they can still keep in touch with the listing agents as they're under escrow or under contract, depending on what part of the country you're in, and make sure that if something happens, you're going to be the first phone call they make. Our next B term is a balloon loan or a balloon mortgage. Now, get that balloon term gets its name from the large size of the payment, which is really weird because balloons aren't that big, but I guess they mean it ballooned up. So it's more the verb tense. Now, this is the banker definition of a balloon payment. A mortgage with monthly payments often based on a 30-year amortization scale with the unpaid balance due in a lump sum payment at the end of a specific period, usually five to seven years. The mortgage may contain an option to reset the interest rate to current market rate and extend the date due if certain conditions are met. So can we do that in real people terms? Awesome. Here you go. In lay people terms, this is a mortgage with low interest rate at the beginning, stays level for a short time, five to seven years, and then you get that fatty balloon payment that you either have to refinance and do the whole loan all over again at whatever rates are in five to seven years, or you have to pay off that balloon payment in full. And if you can't pay off that balloon payment, then you either have to sell your home or face foreclosure. So this is why balloon payments suck. And they can often pop in your face and make for a big old mess. So you best know what you're doing if you're going to mess with the balloon payment. The next B, this is a fun one. Everyone's going to be excited about this bankruptcy. Now, there is a little a little silver lining in what I'm going to talk about right now. So bankruptcies are legally declared unable to pay your debts. Bankruptcy will, of course, impact your credit and your ability to borrow money. But here's the silver lining. They do not limit you from being eligible to get a home loan as long as everything else. Everyone's bankruptcy says seven years. That's what it takes. Well, with government-backed loans, like a USDA loan or an FHA loan, you only need to wait three years. And if everything else has been fixed up because of the bankruptcy, because I know a lot of people use a bankruptcy to kind of hit the reset button and start over. Well, if you've done everything right, you might be able to get an FHA or a USDA loan in three years or a VA loan it's only two years. The next B word is before tax income. Do I really have to explain this to you? Yes, I'm going to. The definition of before tax income is gross. Before tax income is income before your taxes are deducted, also known as gross income. Get it? It's gross. Moving on. Bi-weekly payment mortgage. A mortgage payment due every two weeks instead of monthly. Okay, quick side note. I have to tangent on this. This whole bi-weekly, bi-monthly thing has been freaking me out for years. The definition of bi-weekly is, is just dumb. Uh, now, I looked it up when I was getting ready to do this podcast, and when I found the real definition of bi-weekly, it just pissed me off. Did you know that bi-weekly is either, yeah, either twice a week or every two weeks? What? Pick a lane. Make up your damn mind. And it's the same with bi-monthly. Bi-monthly is either twice a month or every other month. So stupid. So anyway, 
in a bi-weekly plan, which I'm never going to call bi-weekly again because it can mean one or the other. It's so ridiculous. So what I'm now calling a twice a month payment plan, the mortgage servicer is collecting half of your monthly payment every two weeks. So now why would that change anything? Well, that means they're going to be, that's going to result in 26 payments over the course of the year, totaling one extra full month payment each year. So by making those additional payments and applying your payments to the principal, you're going to be able to pay your loan off earlier. So choosing that two times a month payment, what they call biweekly, be sure to review your loan terms to make sure that you're not subject to pre-penalties if you do that. And also check with your servicer because sometimes they might charge fees for a program like this. But if it works out for you, you might be able to accomplish the same goal each year as you would by making one extra monthly mortgage payment. So if they have regulations against it, then just ask them if you can do that one payment as opposed to the twice a month. The next B is called a blind offer. This isn't usually recommended, but sometimes it's necessary, especially in a competitive market like 2022. Attempting to be the first offer in, and you can try to win the bidding war before it even starts. It's making an offer without seeing the home, thus blind, get it? It's getting more and more common, actually, as online photos and videos are getting better and better, especially if the buyers are familiar with the condo complex or the track of homes. And you're like, oh, that's just like the last one. Let's put in an offer. The next definition is for bona fide. Believe it or not, this term is used a lot in real estate. It means in good faith without fraud. Basically, bona fide, it's legit. Our next term is borrower. Now, I know this is sound weird, but I wanted to make sure you understood this definition because a lot of buyers get kind of freaked out when they get into a deal because to the lender and the banks, this is what you are. So the real estate people are talking about, I have a buyer for this, I have a buyer for that. Once you get working with the lenders and the banks, that's who you are. You're a borrower. It changes your complete identity. So get used to it. You have no personality, no identity, no name. You're a thing and you will be labeled as such. Deal with it. The next one is bridal registry. Yeah, you heard me right. Bridal registry. This is a real estate term and it has a pretty dope function. Why register for China that you're rarely going to use or a juicer or a food processor? You can ask for people to help fund the down payment of your home. It sounded like I said fun. I mean fund. They can fund the down payment of your home for reals. It's a FHA program that allows couples to open a bridal registry account into which family and friends can deposit gifts of cash and the funds in this account can be used for a down payment on the house. So I don't know if you have a commitment phobic partner, this could be the tipping point to put a ring on it. Know what I'm saying? How about a bridge loan? This is a term that people have asked me about all the time, and it's usually because their parents or their grandparents told them about it. It's an awesome thing. I wish they happened more often, but they're just not being used anymore. It's for people selling one home to get the money to buy another home before they close the sale of their home. So then they get this short, you know, it's, it's called a bridge. It bridges between the two, and you get that short little loan that once you're sales, then you just pay it off. That'd be great. Wouldn't it be awesome just for a bank to give us all this money in our pocket so we could go out and buy another home, even though we haven't sold that one? It's not happening that much anymore. They're more difficult. And if you do figure out a way to do it, they're really expensive with lots of extra fees and stuff like that. But there are plenty of new options and tools and techniques that have been replacing this type of loan, and a good realtor and mortgage pro can walk you through them. 
Our next B word is broker. You hear the word broker a lot. What broker means is it's an individual or a firm that acts as an agent between providers and users of products or services, such as a mortgage broker or a real estate broker. So that's the Webster Google definition. But here's the way it works in real estate. The big companies that you know about, like Century 21 or EXP or Coldwell Blip Banker or Remax, those are real estate brokers and brokerages. On the mortgage side, a mortgage broker is a lender that offers the buyer more options and more potential mortgage plans and programs and different rates than your traditional big banks. There's the big four, Wells, Citibank, Chase, and B of A. Or the mortgage broker can also offer you more than the credit union. Now, this is my recommendation because they're most of the time going to have all the options the big bank and your credit union have, plus more options that those guys won't. And that can be very beneficial to you as the first time home buyer. Okay, our next one is one that I have to explain to people a lot. This is building code. Now, it seems pretty easy, right? Like you would understand it. The Google definition of building code is local regulations that set forth the standards and requirements for the construction, maintenance, and occupancy of buildings. These codes are designed to provide for the safety, the health, and welfare of the public. You know what I'm talking about, a building that needs to be up to code, right? Look, here's the real real on this. Each state has a minimum requirement to sell a home, and most of them do not require a home to be up to code. I say again, most states don't require a home to be up to code to sell it. So don't expect that. Okay, this is a fun one. This is one of my fun Bs. This is buy down. Now I'm going to start this with the definition that came from an exchange I had with a listener. The listener sent this to me. Buy down points. Dude, we had no idea this was even a thing. Your unicorn lender told us about it. You should tell people about this. The topic would be about when it would be a good idea to pay for the mortgage buy-down points versus just putting more money down on a down payment. Well, that's what the listener said. So, okay, fine. Here I go. First, I'm going to give you the explanation of what it is, and then I'm going to give you some context on how this can work for you as a buyer. A buy-down is an upfront lump sum of cash. Ooh, that was tough to say upfront lump sum of cash. It's a prepayment of interest to the lender at the closing. The reason you do that, it buys down the interest rate to a lower rate. You can buy down that rate with the cash up front to decrease your monthly payment to make it lower and more affordable for you. Also, because the loan is more affordable, then the buyer is likely to meet the lender's qualification standards, which sometimes means that by buying the rate down, you can get a bigger house. Now, some of these buy-downs are temporary, lasting only for two to three years. They've got really cool names, so you can figure out what they are. They're called 321 or 2-1. I'm going to get to those in a minute. Now, if you're thinking long-term and you want to use the buy-down to buy down the rate permanently for 30 years of the loan, you know, if you're looking to buy your forever home. Well, this is how my listeners said that they considered it. They said, by decreasing the down payment, now I don't know what their down payment was. It could have been you know, from 25 to 20, 20 to 10, or, or even 10 to eight. That 2% might've been enough for the buy-down cost because that buy-down cost is gonna vary depending on the borrower. Remember, borrower, that's you. Uh, and the loan products and the rates that are available. 
But they were thinking, hey, if I if I decrease my down payment, paying for the mortgage points does make sense for us, especially if we're going to stay there for at least six years. Now, that's not the formula for everybody. But here's what he said. We're going to break down on the upfront cost over six years, but we'll end up saving money for the entirety of the life of the loan period with the 30 years at the end. Basically, it's the same principle as buying an electric car. The upfront cost is a little bit more, but you save money in the long run by not buying gas and just charging the car. You just have to figure out when that break even comes on the calendar. And in their explanation, it was six years. Great explanation. I can't take credit for it. Thank you to the unicorn lender and to the listener. Now, here is a very, very simple subject to change because these can change all the time. But this is a numbers breakdown directly from the California Realtor State exam. So this is what we got going on in California. As a general rule, buying down the interest rate permanently by one point is going to cost the buyer approximately six points. So, for example, if you were buying a $200,000 home, where they're finding that in California, I have no idea. But if they're buying a $200,000 loan, 6% of that would be $12,000. The buyer pays to the lender up front, and that reduces their interest rate by one entire point. Now, remember, this is where the listener came up with the six years. It's just a coincidence that, you know, you're buying down is 6% and theirs was six years. Your formula could be different. It's not always six and six. That has nothing to do with each other. But if you have the extra cash up front, you know, above and beyond your down payment, your closing costs, or if you end up reducing your down payment to get some of that extra money, to get that 6% of the purchase price, who knows, maybe your 6% of the purchase price will be paid off in savings in four years or five years or seven or eight. But if you plan to stay in the home for 20 or 30 years, you're going to save money once you cross that break-even point. Now, if the buyer chooses a temporary buy-down, it's going to cost a little bit less. This is a more common buy-down that results in either a level interest rate reduction for a specific length of time, remember the 3-2-1 or the 2-1, or it's a guaranteed increase in the interest rate over a period of time until it reaches the stated rate, the rate that you get on the borrower's note. That's you, you're the borrower, and the note is your loan. As I said, they're 3 2, one or 2-1. And how do the lenders calculate the cost of these? Well, let's say you use a 3-2-1 buy-down. Now, in that situation, you're going to be purchasing a temporary three-year buy-down. So let's say the standard interest rate was 4.5%. The lender may determine that the buy-down rates will be 3% the first year, 3.5% the second year, and 4% the third year. The interest rate for the remaining years on the loan, the other 27 years, that's going to be 4.5%, which is if you just done the regular loan that way, that's what you would have got for 30 years. But if you use this buy down to calculate the cost of it, the lender is going to determine the difference between how much interest the borrower would pay at the regular rate, the 4.5, and how much they would pay for the reduced rate, which was three, three and a half and four. You add them all up, and that's what you pay. So here's an example with the numbers. If we got a 3-2-1 buy-down rate, the lender calculates that the lowered interest rate for the first year of her loan will be $10,000. For the second year, it's going to be $8,000 less. And for the third year, it's going to be $6,000 less. So 10 plus 8 plus 6, $24,000. So if you want to pay that much less in the first three years of your loan, you pay that up front. 
Now, I understand there's a lot of math in this. There's a lot of future math, even if you're deciding if a temporary buy down makes sense for you. One of the reasons people do this is they have a steady job and they expect raises and they're looking to buy a house now. And then they've got a little bit of extra cash at the beginning. They're like, you know what? Let's just put this cash in right now and we'll pay less for the first three years we live here. And then my raises will kick in and we'll be much more comfortable with our overall mortgage payment. So this could work for some people, but it's a lot of math. Talk to your pros. And again, you do always do have the ability to pay that 6% upfront and get the 30 year permanent one point buy down. And, you know, perhaps that is something that makes you feel really comfortable. You know, it means that forever you can breathe a little bit easier while still reaping the benefits of owning a home versus renting. It's a great thing to have in your back pocket. My next B is a buyer's agent, highly recommended. Remember, they are paid for by the seller through the seller's commission, not paid for by the buyer. And they have your best interest in mind to ensure that you're treated fairly throughout the entire home buying process. They're what we call a fiduciary in uh, the real estate lingo. I have some news for you about this. Currently, there's a giant lawsuit to get rid of buyer's agents and make you pay for them. Just hit the news the last few weeks. I'm going to get into this more into a future episode. But for now, you're going to be fine for a little bit. We're not going anywhere. So start your plan and work the system to your advantage. The lawsuit's going to take years. And actually, many people think it doesn't have any merit because really what it is is just a big play by the online real estate companies because their entire goal is to eliminate the buyer's agents. They want to eliminate the need for buyer representation so they can gobble up all the sellers and sell their homes on their websites charge the sellers for it and sell to them, sell the homes out there for cheap. So things are changing. It's going to be a slow moving ship and they'll change someday. But if you're listening to this right now, you're probably looking to plan to buy a home in the next couple of years. If you're 13 listening to this podcast, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I feel creepy talking to you. But anyway, Great. Maybe you're getting ahead of the game, but for the rest of you, you're going to be fine. And of course, as you know, I'm going to keep you up to date with the most current information on how to beat this rigged game. It's rigged. It's still beatable. And if they change it, I'll find a way for us to beat it back then. It's set up for the sellers right now, making you lowly buyers pick up all the scraps. But have no fear. I got you for now. And I got you in the future. And I got ways to put you in the driver's seat. So if you got any value out of these B definitions, rate and review on Spotify and Apple and follow at How to Buy a Home on TikTok. Drop me some comments and at David Sedoni on Instagram. And of course, if you ever have specific questions about your specific home buying situation, howtobuyahome.com. There's a big button that says Ask David. That's me. Ask me a question. I'll get back to you. And of course, don't forget to check out the YouTube page, How to Buy a Home podcast. You can watch me and maybe you'll see the video of me and decide this guy has a face for radio. All right. I'm going to see you guys later. As in the C definitions are next. Stay persistent, stay patient, stay prepared, and start your plan today. The more you plan, even years and years out, the better you're going to be set up to take advantage of whatever the wacky housing market is bringing to you when you're ready to start making offers. Don't believe the hype and don't think that one hour of Google research is enough to find your path to home ownership. Dig deep, seek the truth, find a trusted pro and use the force. You do all that and you can do this.